will come to order. The clerk will call the roll. Alder Estridge? Gruber? Here. Hall? Here. Harrington McKinney? Here. Kemble? Here. King is excused. Palm? Here. Fair? Here. Rummel? Here. Skidmore? Here. Verveer? Here. Wood? Here. Zellers? Here. Aarons? Here. Balde? Here. Bidar Seeloff? Here. Carter? Cheeks? Here. Clear? Here. DeMarb? Yeah. Mayor, we have quorum. Quorum present. Council's in session. Alderman Verveer? Good evening and Happy New Year to one and all. To begin me, that, before, before we yes. start, there's one thing I'd like to do. Um, this past year, we've had uh, eight homicides in Madison, including the death of Alderman Sampabaldi's cousin. And I'd like to have a moment of silence in the memory of the eight victims of violence in our community and a send our, our sympathies uh, to your family and to her family as well as perhaps all reflecting on an opportunity uh, for peace and an absence of violence in this coming year. Last year we had two homicides which involved workers um, murdering co-workers. We had at least three homicides where there were uh, gang involvements and a couple of more homicides involving domestic violence. So with that, let us think about the past and for a moment hope for a better future. Thank you. Alderman Revere. Thank you. I move our customary suspension of rules. Uh, so I formally move to suspend rules 2.0. 044 for order of business, 2.05 for introduction of business, 2.24 for ordinances, and 2.25 for resolutions for items so designated on the agenda. Thank you. Motion. Is there a second? There is. On suspension, not debatable. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Alderman Revere. Thank you. I move adoption of agenda item number one. Motion. Is there a second? Alderman Revere. Motion and a second. Thank you. I have the privilege tonight of reading this honoring resolution. It reads as uh, follows, whereas on January 13, 1986, Michael uh, O'Brien began work for the City of Madison as a fleet tire technician, it should say motor equipment division, but uh, fleet now known as fleet services division. We knew it as motor equipment back then. Whereas Mike joined the engineering division as a sewer machine operator one on July 8, 2001, and was promoted to his current position of sewer machine operator three on August 21, 2011. And whereas throughout his career, Mike has been actively involved in Laborers International Union of North America Local 236, 
and has been its business agent since 1995. And whereas under Mike's leadership, Local 236 and the City of Madison as its partner successfully navigated an unchart the uncharted waters of Act 10 to preserve a participatory workplace, and whereas Mike will retire from the City of Madison Engineering Division on July 6, 2017, whereas Mike will be greatly missed by his colleagues in city government. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the mayor, uh, city engineer, uh, commend Mike O'Brien, sewer machine operator, on his retirement from the city of Madison after nearly 31 years of exemplary city service and thank him for his dedicated service to the city of Madison, its citizens and partners, and be it finally resolved that the mayor, common council, and city engineer, uh, and the entire city engineering division wish Mike a healthy and enjoyable retirement with his family. And we uh, do have a presentation of the resolution uh, to you, Mike, so if you would not be bashful and come forward, please, and humor us. I want my colleagues to know as Mike's coming forward that it took some arm twisting begging him to come tonight. We never did that at the bargaining table, so I don't I don't know how that is. Uh, thank you very much for this. It's sort of humbling. Uh, I've appreciated. I've enjoyed working here all these years, even though I might not have said that a few times. But <laughs> thank you again very much. Michael, thank you very much. And let me just say that it really has been fun working with you over the years. Um, you mentioned that sometimes you might have expressed it differently. Uh, but in all the sessions we've had, all the uh, work that we've done together to make this a better place for the folks that you represented and everybody who works for the city. You've got a lasting legacy, particularly through the difficult times we experienced after Act 10. So I really do uh, say we'll miss you um, out there in the middle of medians and wherever else you might be. Uh, last time I saw you was somewhere on West Wash. Uh, it was a while ago, actually, out there. But um, uh, you, you, you both, both in terms of your professional work for the city, in terms of what you did for the, the, the people in our community, thank you. Further discussion on the issue, Alderman Verveer. Thank you. I uh, would like to say a few words too to further embarrass Mike, if I might. Uh, although I don't think I can be anywhere near as, as eloquent as the mayor. Uh, I just want to. Um, remind Mike that uh, we really first met when he volunteered to serve on a city um, labor management committee to try to, for the first time ever, um, provide meaningful benefits to domestic partners, as they were widely known back then. Even um, other phrases were used to describe domestic partners. This was in the mid to late 1990s. And I can't tell you what a joy it was to get to know Mike through those many, many meetings and have him provide much-needed levity at the meetings. Um, believe it or not, not all of our, um, I probably shouldn't say this, but, but not all of, believe it or not, not all of the labor organizations were supportive of domestic partnership benefits back then. But Local 236 under Mike's leadership absolutely was. And uh, he was a driving force on that committee, and I will never forget that. And I want to thank you for your leadership there, Mike. Uh, also, you know, Mike is no stranger to any of us because of his uh, very diligent um, 
leadership of Local 236 all these 20 plus years. Um, and he was never been a stranger in City Hall. Uh, I was very relieved to hear um, when I was told Mike I was saddened by his retirement. I said something to the effect of, what will your members do? And he said, oh, they don't have to worry. My plan is to remain as the business agent for Local 236 even once I'm retired. So I'm very happy to say that he will continue to not be a stranger, that we'll see him. Uh, Committee on Employee Relations meetings, I'm sure Board of Estimates meetings, Council meetings, hopefully for many years to come. Uh, So, Mike, I just want to thank you on behalf of all of us on the Common Council for your decades of uh, service to uh, our residents, uh, certainly your members uh, in 236, and and for the entire community. So thank you very much. Thank you, Alderman Verveer. Further discussion? Seeing none on the question, we'll come to a vote. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. It's unanimous. Thank you very much. Uh, Alderman Verveer? Thank you, Mayor. Although the, the time of 645 has not arisen yet, uh, I don't know of any items to be introduced from the floor, which we might customarily do to fill the time. Without objection, I am prepared to uh, um, move forward. Uh, am I correct that there are absolutely no petitions and communications or early public comment? No, there are not. Yeah, that's what I, my understanding was. So unless there's objection, I'm, I will move forward with the presentation of the consent agenda. At this time, a consent agenda will be moved and, and the recommended action listed for each item uh, except the following for those that are unfamiliar with this process. Those items are those that which we have registrants wishing to speak, items which require an extraordinary roll call vote and are not included on the consent agenda by unanimous consent. And lastly, items which older persons have separated out for discussion purposes. So uh, formally, I move to adopt the recommended action uh, for each item on the agenda tonight with the following exceptions and clarifications. Agenda items 2 through 19 are public hearing items that we will take up in order momentarily. Additionally, for the following uh, items, there are additional recommendations and clarifications. Agenda item 21, report of the mayor submitting committee appointments. Uh, There is a correction in the appointment report, so there's a substitute appointment report that we will be formally referring to our next meeting. Agenda item number 61 uh, is at your places tonight. Uh, It's... uh, Proving plans and specifications for public improvements necessary for the project known as Eagle Crest subdivision and authorizing construction to be undertaken by the developer. Rescinding file number uh, 1618, private contract 2052. Uh, the um, motion will be to strike uh, item number 5 in the resolution. So the consent motion will include adoption of the resolution with an amendment to strike item 5 from the resolution which reads that um, that the resolution is hereby rescinded that was previously adopted by the council agenda item 73 uh, you don't see noted on the proposed consent agenda and that's uh, because it was just requested and I'm happy to include in this motion uh, referral of agenda item number 73 an ethics code amendment to the common council organizational committee this is uh, at the request of Alder Person Clear, so the motion will include re-referral of item 73, substitute ethics code uh, amendment to CCOC. Agenda item 92 uh, is a new ordinance um, 
prohibiting laying down or sleeping on public sidewalks and rights of way in specified other public places during specified hours in the central business district and establishing a bail deposit schedule for violations thereof. At the request of Alderperson Rummel, an additional referral will be added as part of this motion to the City County Homeless Issues Committee. And then further, uh, we will be uh, excluding two other items from this motion, item 74, uh, substitute uh, ordinance uh, relating to the city's noxious weeds ordinance and agenda item number 78, ordinance repealing and recreating Madison General Ordinance to limit persons entering or staying on highways. So, um, and 79, we have a registration speaking on 79. Thank you. And uh, for those that don't have the agendas in front of them, why don't I explain what that is? So, item 79 is a resolution authorizing the mayor, city clerk, and chief of police to sign a contract with Dane County and the University of Wisconsin extending for 10 years the agreement, which authorizes the Dane County Narcotics Task Force. So, uh, this motion then will separate, will uh, all items um, under the public hearings, items 2 through 19, items 74, 78, and 79. Thank you. And is there is a second to that motion? Okay, so what will happen if this is adopted uh, without any changes? Uh, we will then uh, have taken care of every item on the agenda as it's recommended adoption or referral with the exception of the hearing items 2 through 19 and three items 74, 78, and 79. Um, are there any corrections or additions or changes uh, to that motion? If not, seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. It is 643, um, 644. <laughs> so if you'll just wait patiently for 60 seconds. Uh, we will then turn to the public hearings. I believe, uh, if I might, Mayor, since my microphone is still on, I believe we could proceed immediately to item 74. I, I believe that will only take less than a minute. Is there is that a motion to suspend? So moved. Motion to suspend to take up 74. Is there a second? There is. On suspension, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Motion, please, on 74. I would yield to Alderperson Zellers for the motion to adopt the third substitute ordinance amendment. Alderman Zellers. Uh, yes, I uh, move that we um, adopt the third substitute ordinance. And if I could get um, a second. Second. Um, the only change in this third substitute from what uh, you saw in your agenda is that it gives city staff the authority to approve alternate methods of destroying noxious weeds and it also codifies the existing city policy that the weed commissioner will only enter property containing buildings and structures after giving the property owner notice. So those are the two changes. Thank you. We have a motion and a second before us. There uh, is nobody in the queue to, oh, excuse me, Alderman Kemble. I would just like to thank and congratulate Alder Zellers for her tireless, tireless work on this. She has put in untold hours of work. And as you can see, we're already at the third substitute. So just thank you so much and congratulations for what I think will be a successful um, vote. Thank you. I also want to indicate that Jeanette Rosenbaum 
has registered available to answer questions neither supporting or opposing. Are there any questions of the registrant? Seeing none, on the question which is adoption of the third substitute, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. It's now after 6.45. We'll declare a public hearing open on item two, creating a section of the ordinances to change the zoning of properties at 707, 713 East Johnson Street in the second district. The recommendation of the council is to place on file without prejudice. There was a recessed public hearing. There are no registrations. We'll declare the hearing closed. At this time, we'll move to item number three, an amendment to the general ordinances to approve a general development plan at a property at 8102 Watts Road in the 9th District. The hearing is open on this item. The recommendation of the council is to adopt with conditions. There are no registrations. We'll declare the hearing closed. At this point, I'll take a motion on items two and three regarding public hearing items for the plan commission. Item two, which the recommendation is to uh, place on file without prejudice, and three, to adopt with conditions. Alderman Revere. Thank you. Excuse me. I move. I move to adopt the report of the plan commission with its recommendations for item two. As you stated, it's to a place on file without prejudice, and item three is to adopt with conditions. Thank you, Alderman Skidmore. Yes, could you please record me as recusing myself from item number three? Yes, that will be noted. Discussion on the motion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to item four. Declare a hearing open for Central Florida restaurants doing business as TGI Fridays uh, for a license. Recommendation of the Council is to grant. There is a registration from Wayne Tishaka. Is that correct? I'm sorry. Tishka. Tishka, thank you. Supporting available to answer questions. Any questions of the registrant? Seeing none. Declare that hearing closed. Item five, a hearing for Top Shelf Hospitality, doing business as Hail Mary Sports Grill, 401 East Washington. The recommendation to the councils to re-refer. We will have the public hearing opened, but not close it. So it'll be re-referred at the appropriate time with the motion. Item number six, declare a hearing open on Lauren Garden LLC, 502 State Street. Uh, recommendation of councils to re-refer. The hearing is open, and we will not close it. That motion that hearing will be referred along with that license application. Item seven: a public hearing for 602 South Park Street. Hearing is uh, open. Recommendation of councils to grant with conditions. There are no registrations. The hearing is closed. Item eight: declare a hearing open for Quansu Dudes doing business as Cassetta Kitchen and Counter, 222 West Washington. Hearing is open. Recommendation of councils to grant with conditions. Hearings closed. Declare a hearing open on item 9, Frank Productions Concerts, 1 South Livingston. Recommendation of councils to grant. There are no registrations. Declare the hearing closed. 
Item 10, declaring a hearing open for Sunflower LLC, 1272 South Park. Recommendation of councils to grant. The hearing is open. There are no registrations. The hearing is closed. Item 11, Tango Bravo, 100 North Hamilton Street. Recommendation is to grant with conditions. The hearing is open. There are no registration. The hearing is closed. Item 12, declare a hearing open for the Wonder Bar, 222 East Olin Avenue. Recommendation of councils to grant. There are no excuse me, the hearings open. There are no registrations. The hearing is closed. Dublin Profits LLC doing business as Coliseum Bar and Banquet. Recommendation of councils to grant. Declare the hearing open. There are no registrations. Declare the hearing closed. Item. We'll stop right there. Alderman Revere can have a motion on the uh, report of the LRC recommendations. Thank you. I move to adopt the report of the Alcohol License Review Committee, which is as follows for agenda item four to grant agenda item five, recess the public hearing and we refer to the ALRC. Agenda item number six, recess public hearing and we refer to the ALRC. Agenda item number seven, to grant with conditions. Agenda item number eight, grant with condition. Agenda item number nine, to grant. Agenda item number 10, to grant. Agenda item number 11, to grant with condition. And agenda items 12 and 13, to grant. Is there a second? Motion is second. Discussion? Separation? Seeing none on the question of adoption. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Declare a hearing open on item 14, amending the master list of street names and designations uh, by changing the name of Niblet Drive to Perfect Drive, beginning at Cherokee Club Lane and progressing northerly to its terminus at the intersection with North Sherman Road. Recommendations of the councils to adopt. The hearing is open. There are no registrations, but this is a good time for me to simply note that we still have an opportunity to change Telsa to Tesla. That will close the public hearing and move on to item 15, approving plant specs and schedule assessments for Grand Avenue, Van Nuys Avenue, Park Place, and Mason Street Assessment District. The hearing is open. The recommendation is councils to adopt under suspension. The hearing is open and there are no registrants, so we will close the hearing. Item 16, approving plan specs and schedule assessments for Gregory Street, Knickerbocker Street, Sprague Street, and Sheldon Street. The hearing is open. Recommendation to councils to adapt under suspension of the rules. There are no registrations. The hearing is closed. Clear hearing open on 17, approving plans, specifications, and schedule assessments for resurfacing for the year 2017 in assessment districts. The hearing is open. Recommendation of councils to adapt under suspension of the rules. There are no registrations, and so the hearing is closed. Alderman Revere, on the report of the Board of Public Works. Thank you. I move to adopt the report of the Board of Public Works, which is adoption of agenda items 14 through 17. Thank you. Is there a second? There is discussion or separation. Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to item 18, report of the plan commission, uh, creating a section of the ordinances to amend the plan development district 
etc. at property located 301 Cross Oaks Drive in the 9th District. The hearing is open. There are no registrations. The recommendation of the Council is to re-refer. We will not close the public hearing. Item 19 is an amendment to the ordinances to approve a general development plan as amended in this SIP at 1004 and 10,032 South Park Street in the 13th Aldermanic District. Recommendation of the Council to re-refer. So while the hearing has now been opened, it will not be closed. Alderman Revere on 18 and 19. Thank you. I move to adopt the report of the Plan Commission, which is to recess the public hearings and re-refer agenda items 18 and 19. Thank you. Is there a second? Any separation? Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us, I believe, to item 78. Is there a motion on item 78? I move adoption of the third substitute ordinance amendment. Motion to adopt the third substitute ordinance amendment. We have a registration from Brenda Conkle opposing, wishing to speak. So, um, my comments tonight are going to be mostly about how our equity reports are used are not used in making decisions about ordinances that are before you. We clearly have an um, equity report here that says that we need additional input. We need to make sure our meetings are clearly noticed. We need to make sure that we're going above and beyond to make sure that people can get input into this ordinance. And instead, this ended up being a horrible example of how local government works. Um, the third, number one, the third substitute wasn't available in Legislature until today. Um, number two, on, on November 7th, when this was in front of the Homeless Issues Committee, the committee was being told that if they didn't vote that night, they were going to be bypassed and they were just going to go to Public Safety Review Board without them, or commission, sorry. Um, and so the committee was basically being told that they had to vote without seeing the ordinance in front of them or they weren't going to get any input into the ordinance. They referred anyways, and lo and behold, they were able to give input on the 5th of December. But the mayor's office was very clear that if they didn't vote that night, their, their input was going to be ignored. Um, third, the Public Safety Review Committee was told that they couldn't consider the amendments that the Homeless Issues Committee had recommended because it wasn't properly before them. I have no idea where that came from or how that is even possible because it's amendments to an ordinance, and the ordinance was before them. So they should be able to consider whatever amendments to the ordinance that they want. Um, number four, the legislative, the legislator notes are a complete mess. There's no date on the substitutes, so you can't tell when they were introduced. And um, this meeting is being held, and there's nobody here. It's, you know, we had like four days' notice. I was actually surprised this morning when I looked at the agenda and saw it on the agenda. So partially it's probably my fault that nobody's here. But nobody's here because nobody knew about it because this is being held after a busy holiday weekend. And I think that this is very frustrating for members of the public, even members of the public who think they're paying attention. The other thing is there's a memo from Attorney May that was written five days ago um, that has new information in it about this ordinance. So well, if we're going to have these equity analyses and we're going to try to give them any sort of weight at all, it seems to me that they should be taken seriously. And I don't think in this case uh, that the equity analysis was taken very seriously. And 
As a result, you don't have any input here tonight about this ordinance. I know people are sort of burned out on these things being reintroduced and reintroduced and reintroduced, and there being a third substitute after the fourth time it's introduced, and people get lost in all the confusion, and I think that's part of the problem here. And I think that if you guys are doing your job seriously, you should like, take a step backwards and look at how is the public being treated in this way, and are... Is it, what's the point of doing an inequity analysis if you're not going to follow it? So. Thank you. Are there any questions of the registrant? Seeing none, thank you very much. Alderman McKinney. Thank you very much. Um, and so <laughs> from following your, um, uh, your observations about this ordinance, uh, what, is, what do you see as the next step, what is it you are, you are, what would make it more equitable in terms of your previous statements? Well, I do think, like, I think our biggest problem here is that when it comes to homeless issues, the people who are stakeholders aren't being invited to the table. They're not being asked their opinions. They're being told what's going to happen. And that's not just people who are actually homeless on the street. But that's the homeless advocates and even to some extent the homeless services consortium. We have a group of 60 providers that get together every Tuesday on the first Tuesday of the month. This could have been an issue that was brought to that committee. We could have brainstormed some solutions and we could have tried to come up with something that, that might have, have worked for the community. But we don't get asked ever what our opinion is. Um, more recently, it's starting to happen a little bit. But mostly when there's conversations about homelessness in this community, we just talk completely past each other. We don't talk to each other, and we definitely don't talk to people who are currently experiencing homelessness or have previously experienced homelessness. The Homeless Issues Committee gets ignored. Why do you have to separate something and have them be added as a referral when it's an issue about homelessness? How does, how does that happen? I mean, that's the whole point, is they're supposed to be giving input on homeless issues, and they're just completely forgotten to be referred to? I, I, I don't know. We're talking past each other. I think we, we need to find a way to have a community conversation about homelessness that isn't so polarized. So one follow-up, Mr. Mayor? Yes, please. Okay, my follow-up is, is that the ordinance as presented um, addresses a public safety issue. Um, and that's what the drafter's analysis addressed. What is your comment about that? If you look at the equity analysis, um, number five, the discussion about criminalizing homelessness, as well as um, who has actually been issued tickets in the past, um, I think that pretty clearly addresses that, that over 50% of the people getting these tickets are, are homeless. Um, and it's a small percentage of our population, yet they're getting the majority of the tickets. So, again, there's, you know, a disparity that exists quite often when we talk about these types of issues. And, yeah. and as the ordinance is written, it's a little bit hard to even be able to explain to somebody how, where you can panhandle. Because of that 200 foot from the intersection rule, you could be on a street that's not on this list and still get a ticket. And I think that it's going to be incredibly hard to educate the public about where you can and cannot panhandle after this. Especially if there's no signs. Thank you. 
Further questions of former Alderperson Conkle? Alderperson, there are, there are more, um, Ms. Conkle. Alderperson Clear? Sorry, Brenda, we're not letting okay. you get off that easy. <laughs> no, um, there's, a, there's a story, a conventional wisdom, perhaps apocryphal, that the folks who are panhandling in the medians are not, in fact, homeless, that they're part of a network of people, perhaps a loose association, that it's essentially a racket um, to uh, uh, generate revenue for uh, some kind of organization, criminal or otherwise. And I'm wondering whether, uh, I'm, I'd like to know your opinion on that and, and whether there's any truth to that um, and whether you or organizations that you know of or anyone has done outreach to the people who are actually out on the medians to, to get an understanding of, of uh, their stories and, and um, sort of who these people are and, and how they fit in to um, the continuum of people who um, ask for money on the streets. So the, the pre, it's, it's very hard to tell. The previous ordinance, the tickets were issued to a certain group of people. It does seem like perhaps there was a newer group of people who had been panhandling. I don't think anybody went out and specifically nailed down who's homeless and who's not homeless. Um, but if you look at who the tickets were given to previously, a large percentage of them had no permanent address. And even many of those who do have an address that is written down, if you look at what the address is, it usually is not where they actually live. It's just whatever is on their driver's license or whatever they tell the, the police officer. I mean, I have several people who use my address as their address so that they can get their mail formally there and they have an address to tell somebody, but they certainly don't live at my house. And so I, it's hard to know for sure because it's hard to nail all those specifics down, especially when somebody doesn't have a phone or they're out of minutes. or you know. It, so it's hard to track down. But there is a significant amount of the population that is doing the panhandling that is homeless. There may be other people who are doing it as well. I didn't investigate. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Any further questions of Ms. Conkle? Seeing none, thank you very much. Uh, Mayor Soglin requested that he um, lead off our discussion tonight of the ordinance amendment as the main sponsor. So, uh, Mayor Soglin. Thank you. Until we ran into a federal court decision, for over 20 years, we had no problem, we, the entire city, the public, in understanding and knowing the rules about panhandling in the medians. It didn't need signs. It didn't need explanation. When it occurred, police officers would inform people in the medians, and with the exception of one individual who is not homeless, who persistently would show up at one of the median strips at Whitney Way and... Odana Road, there was no confusion and no problem. Let's get that straight. And my guess is that over that period of 20 years, there were probably, I, I can't say for sure, but virtually no citations issued for panhandling in medians. We're not talking about on the public sidewalk. We're not talking about downtown. We're talking about the medians. 
Now, as to homeless, the woman who spent most of the summer at Midvale Boulevard and University Avenue is not homeless. The woman who has been establishing a place by the Speedway gas station at Verona Road and Raymond Road, thank you, boasts when she goes to Bennett's about how much money she's making as she shares some of her revenue with other customers of that establishment. The individual who will at times be found panhandling at the median by the entranceway to the Ho-Chunk Casino and then is seen inside the casino afterwards is most likely not homeless. But I've got to admire an individual who's capable of doing that and then showing up at the casino and not being afraid of running into people who may have seen him at the entrance. Two of the individuals, one working Whitney Way area and one working Odana and Gammon Road, who have signs about being homeless veterans, are neither homeless nor are they veterans. Now, I can't account for every individual who has been in the medians panhandling. But I do know in those specific instances, those are abbreviated accounts of some of the folks who have been making a lot of money in the medians and doing it in a very dangerous manner. Our job is health and safety. That's our principal responsibility. So if someone is in a median and asking for money, is it the ultimate in political correctness to say that we're going to give up that responsibility? Because as we know, and I've gone over this with you before, from coast to coast, not only have we seen People in the medians collecting money hit and in some instances killed. But in addition, they are causing accidents which may not involve them. Now, I didn't bring it down tonight, but we've got a few seconds of video from University in Midvale showing people dashing into the street, showing the cars, making maneuvers, 
that are dangerous to avoid them. And eventually, we're going to have a serious accident, if not a fatality. It's been said by the director of Porchlight and other service institutions, if you want to provide funds, put it into an agency that provides direct service. And let's see some headlines. Not about this being, as it's fraudulently put, an attack on the homeless. But let's see some headlines about the truth, about the dangers, where in cities where there has been extensive panhandling, the accidents and the tragedies have come about. And let's see some headlines about the tens of millions of dollars this city has either invested or continues to invest in providing permanent shelter and supportive case management. I think the people of the city are getting a little sick and tired that every time there's an issue in this community that involves health and safety, that someone comes out and trots out homeless and says the whole world has to stop. This ordinance, in one form or another, has been around for months. Everybody has known for months it was coming up at this meeting. We've got a responsibility. And I'm sick and tired of the smears and the paintbrushes that take an issue like this out of proportion to what it really does. And yes, as I've said in the past, high school kids should not be doing this when they're waving their placards for their car washes, raising funds for one of their clubs. And our firefighters shouldn't be doing it. I was on East Washington a couple of years ago and saw one of our own firework fires almost run over near Blair Street. Is there a person in this room who by the time they were five years old weren't taught you don't play in the streets? It's that simple. I don't think that's an alien concept. Thank you. Thank you. Older person, Bidar. Thank you, Mr. Chair. I have questions for staff. Um, I'll start with Attorney May. Attorney May, could you give us a little bit of um, history of, of this ordinance, meaning some of us were on the council when we had a previous iteration of this and was um, had many of our um, friends from local 311 here. and So can you give us just for context for 
about the history of, of this ordinance and what changes are before us that make this, in your opinion, legally sound? Yeah, Attorney May. Um, two things involved here. First of all, the city, in addition to this ordinance, had a broad ordinance against panhandling that was effective all over the city. And you'll remember, couldn't panhandle within so many feet of a door opened or of an um, ATM, et cetera. And that was sufficient, I think, to cover most of these um, issues with respect to it. It had this second ordinance about not soliciting on the highway, um, but rarely, to my knowledge, rarely was used or, or people were cited on it because of the general prohibition on, on um, panhandling. Um, and, and in fact, the analysis that was done was on the general panhandling ordinance uh, citations, not, uh, not this uh, old section. Uh, court cases have come out, including Seventh Circuit, which covers ours, which basically said you can't have these ordinances outlawing panhandling anymore. That's, that's free speech expression. Uh, so that we suspended the operation of our general panhandling ordinance um, in all respects. And we temporarily suspended this one because it looks a lot like a panhandling ordinance. It says you can't, not only can you not panhandle here, there, and the other place, you can't do it uh, along a roadway. And at that point, we sat down and began to look at what are ways that you are able to put together an ordinance that addresses not so much uh, people panhandling, but there's the safety concerns of people being on a highway and to make it um, neutral as to what they're doing. Uh, to meet the new requirements under these court cases, you have to have something that essentially is neutral as to whether somebody is, is giving a message or not giving a message or what that message may be. Uh, and that's a critical element of satisfying those First Amendment requirements is that the city can't pick and choose and say, we will allow these sorts of people to be on the highway and take these activities, but not people who are asking for money for this purpose. Um, and uh, because of that, uh, one of the issues is that we think this clearly will cover uh, firefighters with fill the boot. We can't say that's a good enough reason to be on the highway, but it isn't for a homeless person or any other person asking for money. So we can't make that kind of distinction anymore. In the past, even under the old ordinance, my recollection is that it was our position that it should also cover the fill the boot activity. But I believe there were some attempts by this body to give permission to do that under a, a clause in the ordinance, the old ordinance that talked about uh, obtaining permission to be on, on the streets. We, we, I think, advised, A, advised against it, and B, said that it would probably could open the ordinance to challenge, as again, you're picking and choosing who you are going to allow based on their message, not based on anything else. So that's sort of the background. Um, uh, I think our advice had always been if you want to do fill the boot, do it on the sidewalk, and someone can pull off and park in a place where it's legal or pull into a driveway and, and fill the boot. That's possible. That's still possible under this new ordinance. Um, just as anyone else could stand on the sidewalk, not in the middle of the road, and hold up their sign or parade back and forth uh, because that's not uh, covered under the ordinance. Uh, but someone stopping, of course, in the street where you can't park and jumping out uh, would probably be covered by the ordinance. I'm not sure if I answered all your questions, but that's sort of a background of how we got to where we are today. You did. I have one additional question for you. Are, are there similar ordinances to this one who, that have been implemented that 
these mirrors um, so that you kind of have an idea of this test of its <coughs> the meeting the... Yeah, we did not model this on anyone else's. Milwaukee has adopted an ordinance that is in some ways same and in other ways different. Part of their ordinance is to, to designate what they call um, I think street, streets that are highly high potential for injury and they haven't gotten that far yet. But we took that idea and working with traffic engineering went to the streets that have the highest volume of cars on it as being a way to limit the ordinance to those areas where we think there are real safety concerns. And that's what we did in ours. So it's somewhat similar to Milwaukee. Uh, there was a court case out east where they struck down an ordinance that covered uh, all medians all over the city. Um, and the court noted that in our city, some of the things you've defined as medians are really like city parks. And that's, you can't make the case that that's a, a safety issue. Um, and that, again, was why when we were doing it, we were trying to narrowly tailor it to reach those parts of the city where we think there are um, real problems with the potential injury from, from people being on the roadway other than yeah. using it in a legal manner. So am I understanding by the fact that you're just mentioning a couple of instances that I imagine this issue of people panhandling, which is not a term I like, but this issue of people standing on the median um, is an issue that is happening across the country, but maybe there's not a lot of municipalities that have adopted legislation or didn't you do kind of an environmental scan of looking around the country or what's happening? Yeah, I know that there are other places that have adopted some ordinances, okay. but we, we tried to tailor it for what we thought would work for Madison and fit the court cases we were aware of. Thank you. I have questions for the chief. Please. Thank you. Um, chief, could you, do you have um, any um, either anecdotal or otherwise um, information about the kind of, I guess, demographics, in, for lack of a better word, of who have your officers approached um, any of the individuals that are standing in these meetings? Have there been any conversations with them? Um, again, you heard Alder Clear's question, which I won't repeat, but that's something that I know it's kind of a widespread conversation across the city. Any insight on who it is? Is this like an organized uh, ring of people? Is it not? Chief Koha? Sure. It sort of does span the, the spectrum. We do have some people who are NPA, no permanent addresses, but we also have contacted people on an anecdotal basis just to see why is it that you're here today? And some have given the fact that they would prefer to be there as opposed to be working in a conventional work setting. Others have said it's a mechanism to mitigate their addictions, mm -hmm. that they live in homes, that they get rides there, and they, they get picked up at times of the day. So sort of as uh, a culminating point, I think a lot of the mayor's points on this were, were spot on. It really is all over the place, and I don't think there's any one singular motive as to why people are there. But, but just to be clear, yeah. there has not been any kind of particular investigation into like an organized, no. an organized crime ring of people that are actually bringing people, dropping them at this intersection, paying them a certain amount of money, kind of like an, an organized group. Has there, is there an active or has there been an active investigation around something like that? No, there has not. Okay. Thank you. I have one last question for, I think, Jim O'Keefe. Please. 
Jim. Thank you. Um, Jim, there was mentioned by um, um, Brenda Conkle that this has not been a discussion that has been taken to the homeless consortium. And since I know um, members of your staff um, staff and, and attend these, these meetings, do you have any other um, conversations that may um, have, ha have been had about this um, that you could add to what Brenda brought to surface or any reason why he wasn't brought to that group? Community Development Division Director O'Keefe. I, I think the issue <clears throat> has been discussed with um, members of the Homeless Services Consortium. Um, part of that discussion um, prompted um, a request to have outreach workers uh, reach out to um, try to contact folks that were panhandling in the median. Um, and the reports that I received from that effort <clears throat> was that, and I can't account for um, you know, each and every person that was contacted, but certainly that a good number of, of people that were contacted um, indicated that they were not homeless um, and or refused offers of um, services from the agencies that um, contacted them, <clears throat> including Porchlight and um, staff from the Veterans Administration. So um, this issue certainly has been discussed um, within the circles of that consortium. Thank you. Thank you. Alderperson Palm is next. Yeah, I have a question on the, um, I guess the draft September 6th um, report about, um, uh, sorry, the the social justice tool. Um, on on page four, it specifically goes into detail about citations for the ordinance in question, no soliciting on highway, indicating that 35 citations were issued to 19 individuals from January 24th to November 2015th. So I, I'm, I guess given the conversation that I've heard that, you know, what well, we haven't used this and, and there's zero, um, you know, citations issued under this, but it's actually over under the panhandling ordinance, which is actually delineated later. I'm just wondering if there's someone from staff who's worked on this report to confirm whether this information is correct or not, because it's 35 citations is, um, is, is a tool that's been used. I can just respond. But I, I was an error. I didn't understand. I don't didn't recall that this thing talked about any citations under the soliciting and highway. Um, and so uh, I would rely on what's in the report. So that's okay. just my mistake. I'm so sorry. the report is accurate. As far as, as I know. As far yes. as we know. Okay. Because yeah. the report does say that 31% um, of those citations were for people who who had no permanent address. So that is, I'm, I'm reading that correctly, and then. Yeah, 11 of the 35 citations were issued to the five individuals who had no permanent address. Okay. So. Um, probably, I assume this question is for you or maybe to traffic engineer Dreyer. Um, so we, the council got an email this afternoon about using an alternate method of um, of using speed limits instead of um, arterial streets. Um, can someone uh, explain if they've, that's been used or? 
um, the pros and cons of that type of traffic engineer dryer. So the question was, had that been used before? Well, had, well, had, had we considered it instead of using the arterial? <clears throat> Not till I saw the email today had I considered it. The, the trouble is that it casts a net that some arterials are posted less than 30 miles an hour, and and uh, so we're not catching all the arterials if if you do that. And uh, and we at least I felt that volume was a better proxy for the safety of pedestrians and people on the medians than than speed. So considering that this is a, a proposed ordinance about safety, I just want to sort of go into that a little bit more because. I mean, I've always been trained that speed is a, is a part of, of safety. I mean, the slower things go, the safer they are. So are, we, are you saying that an arterial street that is less than 30 miles per hour is still dangerous and needs to have this, this ordinance placed upon it? And that other streets that might not be arterials but are higher than 30 miles are now are safe. Certainly, speed is a is a factor, and it is certainly a factor in the, the severity of a crash. I think what we have to look at is the potential or the probability of something happening. With the higher volumes, you have the increased chance of a problem. Uh, high volume intersections where people are stopping, and there's vehicles queued behind you and their stop and go as a result is part of the equation too that can cause problems. So they're all mitigating factors in there, but I think volume was the best and easiest way to to create the, the nexus between safety and and people on the median rather than speed. Okay. Uh, okay. So the the follow up to that question, which is probably more for uh, Police Chief Koval or Attorney May is, uh, you know, I know we, in your memo to the council, um, you, there was a language about signage and its, its uh, incompatibility with our budget. Um, but I'm wondering if the use of speed, which is already assigned and designated zone, would mitigate sort of this unknown about where an intersection would be an arterial um, and I'm wondering if that, I mean, given that um, I mean, you know, the traffic engineer makes some arguments about um, volume, but I would argue that prosecution and enforcement is a challenge because we we don't we don't have a signage to enforce it. So, it, would one of you want to respond to how signage may or may not help with? Turn on me. We'll start. Well, setting aside the budget considerations about adding signage. Another issue we had was making it an element, essentially making it an element of the um, citation and having to prove that. That also raises problems with temporary signage, which somebody suggested, because you'd have to show that it was still there at the time when you were attempting to enforce the ordinance, and if it could be torn down, then you wouldn't right. know it was there. Um, obviously, if you put up more signs that are seen, you are going to inform people. I'm not certain that passing an ordinance without anything else that says if it's over 30 miles an hour, you're covered by don't be in the median. Uh, it's going to be any more known than what would be known by saying 
if you're on these arterial streets, don't be in the median. In other words, I'm not sure that the signage is any better under those circumstances or that people would know it anymore. I frankly think the plan that TE and the police are talking about, about creating pamphlets and maps and handing them out to people who are uh, out there saying, here's this ordinance is going into effect and you better not be here two weeks from now when we start enforcing it, is probably the best way um, to get the word out as to as to where you can or cannot do it. So I recognize there's some some appeal to either adding signs or saying it's covered by some other signs that we have. In the latter case, I'm just not sure that, you know, practically speaking, people are going to know that 30 miles an hour also means can't be in the median. Okay, thank you. Chief Koval, did you wish to respond to the question as well? well? Only just to add is that obviously he deals with the critical element of how to enforce these things. I mean, we, we can write the tickets, but if they can be successfully prosecuted without conspicuous notice, it was going to have a problem. Thank you. Alderperson McKinney, you're next in the queue. Thank you very much. And uh, my question will be, directed to Attorney May. Uh, let me preface it by saying um, uh, we have tracked as a part of the Public Safety Committee the various revisions, reiterations of this ordinance. And it has moved from, uh, in my estimation, on a, a, a direct impact on homeless to a more neutralized um, ordinance that says that public safety is an issue. Um, so my, these are my questions, is that the, uh, the homeless services, um, uh, homeless issues consortium sent several recommendations over to the public safety committee and um, Brenda Conkel was correct when she said that we were told that we could not consider those recommendations, had I had that not been the case, we I would have certainly wanted to add no citations may be issued unless the individual person has been given a warning at the particular site. And the second one, the city is to provide a report to the council six months after adoption with referral of the report to the Homeless Issues Committee. So those recommendations were not tacked on because it was not my understanding, I'll own that. I don't know if other um, committee members would say that. It was not my, own, my understanding that that could have been added. And so my question to um, uh, Attorney May is, uh, what is the process where we are now with um, adding those recommendations that I just cited uh, to be considered? What is, the, what is that process? And then my final question goes back to um, uh, Chief Koval. Um, Attorney May. Yeah, the process to take up any of those would be to offer amendments from the floor tonight. And that certainly would be in order if such an amendment were to be offered and could be debated and taken up. I'm not certain how you were, how that committee was told that they could not take them up because that was erroneous. I remember getting an email from the assistant city attorney and I said, no, they can take up what they want. I did advise her and others that there was no alternate that took all of those and put them together and had been entered into Legistar that 
that was there to consider them all in a package. So they didn't have that before them to consider. But, you know, a committee can consider and recommend amendments, I think, uh, essentially with a lot of freedom, as can this council, um, subject to the policy, whether you, you think it makes sense or not. So if you wanted to bring those up tonight, um, uh, individual amendments from the floor would be the way to go. So the process would be to consider the, um, the amendment before us, and then um, at what point would a substitute amendment, including some of these revisions, be in order? I, I wouldn't call it a substitute amendment. I would just say that you know, if you wanted to make an amendment, for example, to require the report, you could make, make that as an amendment at any time and get a second, and then that would be what would be before the body, whether this version would be amended to include that. And then if there were others, you could offer that as an amendment also. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. And now my question is to Chief Koval. The, educate, the educational items that you reference, who's designing those? Who has the responsibility for those? Who's owning that that happens? Chief Koval. Well, I would hope that we would sort of look at this on a grander scale, but for the police perspective, we would give a grace period of at least two to three weeks in which we are making those contacts from our officers to those people seen in the median and trying to give them that exposure, the warning, and the understanding of what you can or can't do or where you can't be. We would never just start unilaterally with an enforcement protocol before we had a, a sufficient time to provide some education on the matter. And so specifically, the, 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 the materials, because that was kind of reference, and I, that, that's really what my question is around. Has there been a discussion as, you know, what is the material, who's designing it, who owns that? So has that discussion taken place? Where does it rest? I don't know that we've gotten fundamentally down to the brass tacks of the specifics. I would, of course, want to work with the city attorney's office and make sure that we have the appropriate language that meets the tenor of the ordinance and is clear. So we would probably work in conjunction with the city attorney's office to make sure that language is clear, cogent, and understood readily by reasonable persons. And then in terms of printing a brochure or a leaflet or some kind to give our officers as well as indoctrinate the officers as to how to approach this would be another component. But we haven't really gotten into the specifics thus far. Okay. Thank you. Thank you all. Alderperson DeMarb. Thank you, sir. I just want to make sure that I understand. It was this one committee or two committees where they were told that they couldn't make amendments and or did not have information and were told they had to vote. I don't know if two we have that information. In two, two committees? I, I don't know the answer to that. I was, I was not at any of the committee meetings where it was discussed, so I oh. don't know okay. if this well. was told to, to, to one or two. or And, okay. and maybe person, persons here were on those committees. Maybe That's they could respond. That's my next question. Um, because I know that um, we have alders on both of those committees, and so I'm curious if, you could, if anyone would be willing either from the Homeless Issues Committee or from PSRC, there's five alders serving. Um, if, 
if you could verify, I guess PSRC has already been verified, but from the Homeless Issues Committee, were you not given proper inform or complete information, I should say, but told that you had to vote on this? If either one of you serving could answer that question, I would, uh, putting it to the chair, of course, um, I would appreciate it. And the reason, okay, I'll just go into my reason first um, while you're deciding, is that this council relies on city committees to vet information at a different level than we do. Um, this is coming before us. Many things get put on a consent agenda that has gone through the committee process. And we see what has happened in that committee process and if they've approved it, if they had um, concerns with it. And that further informs us to be able to have a vote without looking at everything on our agenda. What I heard from former Alder Conkle is that that process did not take place, but yet we, we see this on our agenda and we're asked that we're asked to vote on it. And I, I, I think that there's a break in the process if this indeed did happen. And it's not that I'm questioning former Alder Conkle's um, honesty, but I would like to hear from people on the committee. Mr. O'Keefe would like to respond to the question, I believe, in part at least. Mr. O'Keefe. So I can provide um, some background around the Homeless Issues Committee. I attended two meetings of that committee in which um, this resolution was before the, the group. Um, and at the first, I don't recall precisely the dates, but at the first, um, there was interest on the part of committee members in amending um, the resolution, but they wanted more um, information. They specifically wanted to, um, I think, hear from staff on the um, uh, the equity uh, report that had been um, issued. Um, but there was concern that if if the resolution was referred to that committee's next meeting, that um, the events might overtake the committee and um, the council might act on the resolution before they had an opportunity to bring it back and, um, and amend it. They opted um, in the end to refer the resolution to their next committee and um, I think trusted that um, council action wouldn't be finalized until they had a, an opportunity to weigh in and that's what happened. Thank you. Alder person tomorrow. Thank you. So Mr. O'Keefe, what I'm hearing is that it was referred to a meeting and they met and they were given the information that they needed or they have not met yet? No, they, they referred it to a subsequent meeting. That subsequent meeting was held. They um, receive the information that they were um, asking about. Um, and monks, in particular, um, presented information, answered questions um, that committee members had, and then they proceeded to make um, recommendations to amend the resolution um, and passed it on. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Alder Person Clear. Thank you, President Revere. Um, First question, I think, is for Attorney May. So you talked earlier about sidewalks versus medians, and, you know, they're both elements of the right-of-way, but I'm trying to understand, is there something from a legally defensible standpoint that is less safe about a median that we don't want people hanging out there as opposed to a sidewalk? 
attorney. Maybe that's a question for Mr. Dreyer more than you, but yeah. from a legal standpoint. He can, he can certainly address it also. Uh, but there are two aspects for, I see it from a legal standpoint. Uh, number one, people normally aren't hanging out on medians. People are hanging out on sidewalks. Um, and in terms of the, the safety impact, I think that drivers seeing people on the medians have, are, are much more distracted than when they see people on the sidewalks because people are on sidewalks all the time. And from the legal standpoint, sidewalks are one of the most protected spots under the First Amendment. Um, there are all kinds of things, signs that people get to carry on sidewalks and parades that they get to have and all sorts of things. Um, and in our view, again, to, to, to limit, try and limit the ordinance to something that was reasonably justified, we didn't want to go to the sidewalks. And, and that's, why, that's why we made the distinction legally. Um, I don't know if Mr. Dreyer has more to say about the safety aspect of it, but that's my understanding. Just one follow-up for you before I go to Mr. Dreyer. So sidewalks have sort of that public square element of protection that medians don't have Median, that same enjoyment. Depending on which court you talk to, some <laughs> of them refer to the medians uh, almost in the same manner, but most make a distinction between sidewalks and parts of the actual roadway, right-of-way, where cars are as opposed to where people often are. Um, Mr. Dreyer, did you want to weigh in on that at all? So obviously, when we're talking about um, pedestrian safety and street cross-sections and things like that, we often talk about medians for pedestrian refuge to improve safety. And, so, and we prefer them the wider, the better. Uh, and certainly, runoff road crashes are problematic. We lose a lot of infrastructure and signs and streetlights to it. Medians are more problematic in that they tend to be less protected and you have traffic on both sides of them. And I do think they are a little more pronounced and, and visible than the, the sidewalks. I think that's why you see a lot of people using them more so than other areas. People that want to be visible. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. So um, a second question. We have, I think it's a state statute actually, against sudden pedestrian movement. You know, people running into the street, things like that. Correct. So help me understand a little bit how how this ordinance enhances that safety or is necessary given that that restriction is already in place. Mr. Dreyer? I think it's because in some instances they're not darting out into the street, but they're affecting the operation of the street. I have seen on the cameras myself traffic facing a green traffic signal moving and then one person decides to to stop and provide a donation which is problematic and not only is it unsafe it you know impacts the operation of the intersection the only one who cares about that is is me but uh and the driver behind that driver behind person him. yeah yeah so um chief koval maybe same question if you wanted to weigh in on that as well from the safety chief, standpoint chief koval yeah the I agree with um, my colleague here, but I also, when we were talking about sort of the potentiality for personal injury accidents and traffic crashes, uh, those things have been chronicled elsewhere, luckily not here yet, but one of the things that we are seeing is sort of a local manifestation that I think we ought to be aware of, I don't think it's come up yet, is the potentiality for road rage. Because at a lot of these intersections, when people are getting cut off and having to apply the brakes, we are getting calls to the dispatch center about people screaming at people. And I think that's the one dimension I hadn't heard brought up yet. I appreciate you bringing that up. That's definitely an element that 
uh, I've gotten in my constituent contact is, mm -hmm. is that aspect of the, the safety concern. Thank you. Thank you all. Older person Rommel. Thank you. So I'm struggling with this. Maybe some of you are too. And let me just sort of tell you a few of the things that kind of aren't working for me. So first of all, I do have some fear for people hanging out. Like, fill the boot. I'm sorry, fire department. I never supported that. That seemed totally scary. I was once at that intersection of Blair and East Wash, and you guys were coming in the middle of the lanes, and the cars are just ready to go. It's just like, and somebody barely got out of the lane in time. So I witnessed that, and it was just like, whoa. Oh, that doesn't make me feel good. But on the other hand, <laughs> I have a lot of questions. So, for example, we have this thing called an Adopt a Median program at the city where we get volunteers to beautify our medians. Really, you sign a waiver and you have a group and we approve you and we give you traffic vests and mulch and cones and we let you go weed those things and take care of them. Now, does that then become something that's totally illegal with this ordinance, Bessie? It sounds like it. Well, if, at least in the drafters thing, it says as a safety ordinance, it applies to all persons who violate it, regardless of what they are doing. That seems pretty broadly stated. So, you know what? Like, medians can use some help. Now, I certainly don't know that everyone wants to be in the middle of East Washington fixing the median. I'm pretty well uh, satisfied to let some vendor or our, our staff do that as opposed to neighbors. But on the other hand, a street like, for example, Winnebago, actually it doesn't really have maybe more than one median in it, but I don't see why somebody couldn't be fixing that median. And then my other question is, not all these arterials have medians. I mean, I went, you all look through your own district, but of the ones I could see right away, Willie Street has one by the co-op. Winnebago, I don't think has a single median. It's not a median. It's not really a median there. It's on First Street. But anyway, you could argue, we could argue the point of Sinks Corners. Eastwood, not really a median. Atwood, no medians. Blair, between Willie and Eastwash, too narrow to have a median. So there aren't medians there for you to hang out in. So it seems to me like if it were a highway only, it makes more sense. Like, I don't want you standing on Eastwash. You know, that's kind of scary spaces. Or maybe, you know, I don't know how else you would determine it. But, you know, it just seems to me that there's just so many things I don't really quite get. I, I certainly, and then the other part is like, so no more go TV. So we, I mean, it's a tradition. People go out, wave their signs, vote. What if we said you could do go TV if you were a vest and you signed up? No, says the city attorney. So, I mean, people are going to go violate that law. And then are we going to just, oh, we'll, we'll look the other way because there are, you know, middle-class white people standing in the medians? I just wonder. So with those are the things I struggle with. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, apparently, the attorney may took that as a question. Just, a, just a couple of things. Um, yeah, I, we don't want people standing in the median saying vote for somebody either. They can go to the sidewalk and do it. That's that's where it's allowed. So, And that's this whole idea that we're not discriminating based on what you're saying out there and saying this is good speech and this is bad speech. It's a safety issue. 
One of the exceptions provided in sub 6 is for persons engaged in repair or maintenance under the direction or authority of the city or the state of Wisconsin. And in my view, that covers if somebody is working under a city program to beautify, to plant flowers or weed or whatever they do in the median, as long as they've you know, gotten the authority to go ahead and do that. And they're not just doing it on their own without the city being involved. That's in sub 6. The reason, um, remember that this, in addition to people standing or being on the median at the wrong place, it also says you can't be on a highway and approach a vehicle that's in operation. So that covers even these other streets, so that if somebody's in a vehicle in operation, we don't want people walking into the street and going up to the vehicle, whether there's a median there or not, unless they're in the crosswalk crossing the street, you know, and then they're not approaching the vehicle, they're crossing the street. And this is the problem that we see in a number of other cities where the light stops and they start walking in amongst all the streets and all of a sudden the light comes on and people are ready to go and somebody's out in the middle of the street. So that aspect of the ordinance would cover some of the streets you talked about that don't have medians. Um, I think that problem is much less here, but I, I, we've seen it in other cities that, that people have started to do that, and we wanted to make sure we didn't have that again on these busy streets to have people wandering amongst the, the automobiles. So I hope that just the questions you raised, I hope that provides at least some guidance. Thank you. Alderperson Palm. Yeah, I guess, um, so part of this is, ironically enough, uh, Alder Rummel was at the first Homeless Issues Committee meeting, and I was not, and I was at the second Homeless Issues meeting, and she was not. So um, just to let everyone know about our attendance schedule. Um, and, and so obviously the second Homeless Issues Committee was the one where we had major discussions about uh, different amendments, and, and just to be crystal clear, the reason why members of the Homeless Issues Committee voted on uh, for this um, this or ordinance is because of those amendments. Um, and I did, ha um, I did ask uh, Attorney May to draft um, a, a, a substitute with the um, um, with the changes, but he had also uh, uh, graciously provided me with uh, a draft of the memo that you eventually got that sort of delineated why um, he didn't think it was a good idea. And while some of those ideas, I think, are have good merit and, and are, are valid, I did recognize that um, I think we were um, going to be in a difficult position if that was uh, something on, on the table. So I, at the time, chose not to put it forward. But I do want to ask... Um, Traffic engineer Dreyer. Um, so a lot of these thing streets uh, specifically mentioned um, have their north, south, east, west indicator. But Dayton Street um, is between North Hamilton and State Street. Um, so that I assume you're talking about West Dayton. Yeah, and so East Dayton is not covered. Correct. By that, since I do. Yeah, somebody pointed that out at a previous meeting that that I just put Dayton Street in there, and not all of Dayton Street is an arterial. So okay. we went through back through the list again, and and refined it. Just want to clarify, since uh, my East Dayton is a very quiet street. Yes, exactly. Um, thank you. Thank you both, Alderperson Carter. Yes, I'm just curious, Attorney May, and maybe. Chief Koval, 
Have we ever had an incident where there was an accident because somebody um, stopped to give money that the city was, um, they sued the city for allowing panhandling? Okay. All right, well, let's get that on the record, Attorney. Yeah, I, I just, I, I'm not aware of any such claim being brought against the city. Anything further, further, Alderperson Carter? No. Alder, okay. Alder, Alderperson Clear here in the queue. Thank you. Um, just a follow-up generated by Alder Rummel's comments, and I'm sorry to get down into these level of weeds, but what about the terrace? So we talked about the sidewalk. We right. talked about medians. Right. Can someone stand right at the curb edge? We would say no. We exempt the sidewalks. We don't exempt the terrace. They're part of the highway. So it's essentially can't be that close to the highway on the terrace or the median, but you can stand at the sidewalks and the sidewalks go right into it, certain places into the crosswalk where, again, people would be able to stand. Mm -hmm. That We think that would, if you included the terrace, if you exempted the terrace, that would have people leaning out and the same sort of problems you'd have at the median. Right. So like the curb ramp, the, the literally at the intersection where you're, I mean... <laughs> I hate to be getting this pedantic, but we're going to run into these questions one way or another. I think the curb ramp is part of the sidewalk. You know, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think we can. And it's usually it's a, the curb ramp, and it's leading usually into the crosswalk. Right. So again, and we say you can't use the crosswalk except to actually cross. Right. But you could stand at the right think, at the I edge. I think you could stand there, and this is one of the problems that we can't. Right cover all possibilities, but we're trying to do the best we can to increase safety. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Alderperson Gruber. Yeah, this, thank you, uh, uh, President Revere. This is kind of a related question under subsection 4. I think this is for Attorney May again. Uh, no person shall be in a median of a covered highway listed in subsection 7 unless that person is in the process of crossing a highway in a safety zone or crosswalk. The question I have is, I think many of our residents will cross the street, like in my district, Midvale Boulevard or University Avenue, and not necessarily cross at the crosswalk because it involves quite a circuitous route, and they'll cross right, you know. So are we, in fact, it sounds like we're, in fact, prohibiting what we used to call jaywalking, maybe, or crossing, uh, and, and, you know, is that problematic, I guess, is my question. Thank you. Attorney May. Yeah, my reading is that, yes, that would be covered. They're not in the safety zone or crosswalk when they're crossing. And so they would be in the median without using it to cross in a safety zone or crosswalk. And so in the middle of a block that's covered by this ordinance, the arterial streets, um, people would be in violation if they're running through the middle of the street and onto the median and across. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Alderperson Eskridge. Thank you. Um, Attorney May, I think this is a question for you, and I did ask this question. I just haven't gotten a formal response yet because it was delayed due to the timing of this meeting, which has already been discussed. Um, but the question of temporary signage. So you mentioned um, that the Homeless Issues Committee sign requirement would cause concerns with enforcement of tickets, and I'm wondering if we put in language around temporary requirements that had an end date to it. Um, the police chief has already noted that 
there will likely be a few weeks of enforcement and education, essentially, of people who are panhandling in the medians currently. Um, so could we put up signs in those locations for a set period of time, and would that um, impair any, you know, challenges to, to citations? Attorney May. So, so your suggestion is, in addition to preparing these pamphlets and talking to people, that maybe they take the pamphlets up on essentially a, yes a post. Um, yeah. Again, that's a suggestion that I'd want to talk to the uh, police department about and traffic engineering as a way of informing people. I'm reluctant to put those things into the ordinance because of my concern that it then becomes an element of proving a violation. Um, now, your your suggestion was you put it in there and say for the next. For three weeks after it's effective, we're going to tape up signs. Um, I, I guess I, I hadn't thought about that and whether that would solve some of those other problems that I have with the ordinance. I'd have to think about that, and I'd want to, again, I'd want to check with the MPD. I don't know if they've thought about that either or if um, Mr. Dreyer's thought about it. I'm willing to pass my question Mr. On. I believe Mr. Dreyer would like to respond. Well, we would certainly like to avoid having to install uh, numerous signs, whether they're permanent or temporary. And certainly if they were enforcement was conditioned on the sign, uh, the sign wouldn't last very long. There are hundreds of intersections, uh, four or more locations per intersection. That's a, that's a great deal of work for the crews to do, I would I would prefer not to have to do that, that they could be doing the more important uh, work relative to traffic control and safety. But uh, we certainly do what we're directed to do. And if it's just going to be a costly proposition with the number of locations, I don't think people realize the number of locations we'd have to do. I could have one follow-up, perhaps, for the police chief. Um, chief, you mentioned there will be an, an education period that your officers will do. You'll work to have some sort of information to give out, whether it be verbal or written. I think I can speak for myself that my concern is just making sure that we are very clear in our policy direction that that happen. And unfortunately, one of the only tools that we have to do that is in ordinance, since we don't have executive, you know, administrative power to to require that to happen in any other way. So my question is, um, would it be possible to uh, ask that that happen in some sort of, I mean, I'm looking at Attorney May again, because there's this question of can we time limit it, can we limit it to major intersections that we know are problematic um, to put up temporary signage? Because there are intersections where I think we all are very aware that there's someone regularly placed at. And if we could target those um, for our education campaign, I think that might give some relief to people who who are skeptical that perhaps we would do what we say we're going to do. And it just makes it so that it's very transparent that that's our intention, that that education happened before there be any enforcement. This is happy. Chief, Chief Koval. I'm sorry. I'd be happy to offer a very bona fide assurance that from such and such a date to such and such a time, it will only be for the purposes of contact and informing and educating and that no tickets shall issue during that time. We can make that happen at our end. 
Thank you. I believe Attorney May would like to yeah. add something as well. If you prefer, we could, I mean, we could put that in a memo to the alders from mm -hmm. the police chief and saying, here's our plan and mm -hmm. how it's going to take place. And I, I think that would provide you with that assurance, I think. Yeah, I think I would like that. And I will offer an amendment as part of the reporting requirement to uh, ask for such when it is appropriate. Thank you. Alderperson Rommel. I'm sorry, I missed this the last go around. I meant to answer Alder DeMarb's question about the Homeless Issues Committee. I was at the first meeting where it was indicated that um, we might, the committee might miss the boat if we didn't vote on it that night. But through conversations with both Alder Balde and Alder McKinney, we learned that there was a second substitute in the works. And, and, and as I recall, Alder Balde, but probably also Alder McKinney, um, committed to making sure it would come back to the committee, which it ended up doing. So I think that gave us enough comfort to refer. Thank you. Alderperson DeMarb. Thank you. I have a question for Attorney May. This is a nitpicky question, but it will be important to my district. And so um, I'm curious if you could please define highway for me. <laughs> Well, if you look at the, uh, we put the definition in the drafter's analysis. It's in the very last paragraph. Thank you. And essentially, a highway is any road that's a real road. That's the way it's defined in the state statutes. So every street in the city technically is a highway. And so that's, that's the term we use so that when we refer to a highway, it's any street except those that are excluded because they're not arterials, and it covers all of the right-of-way that goes with the highway. Um, so, I mean, I can read it to you here, but I think that's a sort of a shorthand definition. Um, and much of our drafting was going through the idea of making sure we use the word highway because it's got a, it's got a known definition under state law and when we were doing something different to, to say that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Alderperson Carter. Yes, um, this goes to Chief Koval. You mentioned that there's going to be an education period, but is there a, uh, the possibility of providing those pamphlets to the agencies that deal with the homeless on a day-to-day -day basis Sir. for them to also educate? Chief We're amenable to that once we get the agreed language from the city attorney's office. Thank you. Thank you both. Mayor Soglin, the board is clear. I think you wish to address this again. I just want to uh, make a couple of observations about the issue of notification. As I'd indicated before, we had an ordinance on the books for 20 years. And with the exception of one or two individuals who had full knowledge of the ordinance but thought they were making too much money to give up and abide by the ordinances, we really didn't have many problems over that 20-year period. Occasionally, someone new to the city might show up. An officer would notify the individual. And as you know, we didn't have the kind of problem that we've got today. Now, think about this. When the courts made their rulings, somehow everybody found out, or at least those folks who were panhandling, 
what the status of the city ordinance was and that the existing ordinance could no longer be enforced. Now, there's probably no more than eight or ten truly lucrative locations in the city of Madison. And most of us know what those locations are. There are some that I still have a hard time believing um, people are using um, medians, uh, particularly on Highway 51, where when you stand on the median on the side for the turning car, your back with only a couple of feet there is the cars coming through on the other side going 50, 55 miles an hour. But there's only a dozen or so main areas. And there's probably not more than 20 to 30 people who are what we would say regulars. They know what the situation is. They know when it changed, and they will certainly know when this ordinance is adopted. My guess is that we have a two-week period of time once it's adopted. Police department can stop individuals, inform them of the change of the ordinance, give them uh, the sheet of paper with uh, the summary of what's involved. And unless they decide to disregard that, um, I think that after the two-week period, we're going to be back where we were with one wrinkle that I'll get to in a moment. We'll be back to where we were with just one or two people who find it too lucrative, despite the risks, the safety involved, and an occasional new arrival in the city who doesn't know the ordinances. And, of course, the first time there's an encounter, um, they too can be warned. What I imagine may happen, and this is the wrinkle, is that some of this activity, because people are used to it, will move outside the city of Madison. will move into uh, areas outside of our jurisdiction which will then leave it up to the city of Middleton, the town of Middleton, the town of Madison, Fitchburg, um, town of Burke, town of Blooming Grove, to decide how they want to handle this on their own. But we can be confident that we have uh, exercised proper responsibility in terms of safety, in terms of notifying people, and where we do have jurisdiction significantly reduced the risks involved with this. I can't get over making the point that two points. One, and this is one that was brought up by Alderman Rummel. Most of those medians where citizens participate in maintenance are in those little circles on the smaller streets, which are not affected by this ordinance, um, Hillcrest and Larkin and, 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 and those kinds of places where there are the, the, the little roundabouts. Um, and, and 
can't imagine anybody standing there hour after hour panhandling. Um, the second point that I think is relevant to all of this is we don't have a history of a lot of serious accidents in this regard because we've been so good at um, enforcing the old ordinance and because of our, our concern for public safety. But I just want to point out you know, these tragedies, and I'm going to go back to two of them. One, and in this case there was no median, was the individual who was well-known in New York City who was working uh, in intersection at Houston Street and was confined to a wheelchair and one day was run over and killed. And the other was the woman in California who received a donation, stepped out to receive another one, and the first donor struck her and killed her. And I just can't understand why with our hundreds, if not thousands, how many ordinances do we have? <laughs> Don't ask. All right, so I'll continue the sentence. With our hundreds, if not thousands of ordinances, why we are so concerned with this one. So concerned with this one where we don't set these incredible standards for notification. We're going to do what's necessary to, we're going to go to Gammon and, and Odana Road. We're going to go to East Washington and is that Independence. We're going to go to Blair in East Washington. And if he's still out there on Stoughton Road, we'll, we'll go there as well. And all of these other locations. And, and, and council people. And, and very frankly, um, I think it's, it's, it's something that you can take satisfaction in. Uh, in, in, in terms of making this a safer and a healthier community. Thank you. Alderperson Kimball. Um, I hadn't thought I thought um, I hadn't thought much about the terraces. It was brought up a long time ago and then I thought some language eliminated that from this. But what I heard you saying in response to Alderman Clear was um, that people are prohibited from being on terraces on these streets. So, for an example, if I'm at my friend's house on North Sherman and my daughter calls me and she needs my key or something, and I go out to the terrace, she drives up, pulls over, the car's in operation, she doesn't turn it off, she's not parked, and I approach her to give her something, and I'm on the terrace. Am I in violation of this ordinance? Attorney May. I think you'd be in violation of sub 3. If it were an arterial road. Is that one of them covered? Yep. Yep. Okay. So I, I have another. Um, this, this ordinance is cursed, I think, process-wise. Um, <laughs> I am the only alder member of the Equal Opportunities Commission, which voted 
to place this on file. During the meeting which the vote took place, I was prohibited from um, participating in the debate by a procedural error, which Attorney May knows about, and he gave guidance to the, the leadership of the committee afterwards about that. But Alders McKinney and Balde were there too. So this is just another, well, the question, the question was called. They didn't have a vote on calling the question. They had a vote on the question, and then the meeting was immediately adjourned. And then I think I was sick for the next meeting, so I couldn't reconsider. So at any rate, and it was very upsetting to me um, because I was actually going to speak in favor of this um, because of my perspective as a professional driver. I put hundreds and hundreds of miles on as um, a taxi driver in the city every week, and I do agree it's a serious um, public safety hazard. Um, I have seen close calls. I've seen... Uh, uh, vehicle on vehicle close calls. I haven't seen the people in the medians be um, be their safety um, be um, jeopardized, but I have seen a lot of really stupid traffic stuff going on because of people looking at what's happening in the medians. And um, conceptually, I am very much in favor of not allowing people to hang out on medians. But if this ordinance, and that's what I was actually going to say at the EOC, but they didn't let me, um, it didn't happen. Were you standing um, on medium? What? I was not standing on, and I was not standing on ceremony. I should have stood more. I should have really, I, I mean, and I even objected. I objected to, anyways, it's history. And, and the leadership has been corrected on that point. Um, but this, ter this terrorist issue, I'm sorry, and one of the points that the EOC did bring up, actually, um, was when it came up about, well, the police will have discretion about who to approach and who to, who to cite. And this thing about the terrorists, um, the police, I, I would imagine, Chief, that you're not going to be sending troops out to be citing people in situations like I just described. And yet, it's still there as a violation. So why is it even there if there aren't going to be citations made? And if there are, what are the police using in their minds as their discretion? How are they looking at humans, at people who are standing in those terraces to say, well, you're just talking, white lady, you're talking to your daughter there in, you know, on North Sherman. But someone else with a different demographic than me and a different circumstance might be doing the exact same behavior but somehow look suspicious and they might be targeted. So for, for me, I would vote for this if the terraces were not included. Um, but I, I can't vote for this the way it is. So I don't know if there's any way it can be amended to exclude the terraces. Um, given the, all of the definitions there. Um, I, would, I would have to look at how the terrace is defined. I think we have that somewhere in our ordinances. L let me let me just. I think you have to understand that on individual instances like this that occur, it's probably not going to come to the police department's attention that this happened. It's when it's going to be an ongoing thing with someone standing on the terrace and approaching a vehicle over and over and over again for whatever reason. Fill the boot is a perfect example of people who would be standing on the terrace and approaching a vehicle 
and we don't want that to occur. Mayor suggested that there might be a way to that it would not apply to parked cars um, if that was a legal parking place. But if it's not, then I, I don't. I think it would still apply. But I guess my my point was that in terms of enforcement, it's going to be. I think it's primarily going to be complaint driven or where the police actually see it happening. And if it's a one-off incident, just like people uh, you know, running through the street where they aren't supposed to be, they're probably not going to know about it. And, and uh, if it's a one-off incident, it probably is not the sort of danger to continuing danger to safety, et cetera, that we're concerned about. But that, that, I guess that's the best I can tell you at this point in time. So, uh, but to me, the, you know, the whole terrorist issue, then it's not just, it's not really about highway safety anymore. It's, it is about panhandling. And I don't, I don't really care about the behavior of what they're doing. I do care, I, I, I like, the substance of what you're doing in the median. I care that people not be in the median. Um, and that's why I would vote for this. So another kind of legal question. If we said roadway instead of highway, would that exclude the terrorists? I would have to check, I would have to check the definitions again. I'm not sure that it does. I don't know if Dave knows that off the top of his head without going to Chapter 346. You don't know. Thank you. Attorney May will research that for us. Uh, the next I have in the queue is Alder Person McKinney. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, is an amendment in order at what point? It is. There are, certainly it's in order right now. Okay. I, I will say if... Um, and I'm going to um, I'm going to uh, support this this ordinance and with the following recommendation uh, amendments. And the reason that I'm going to do that is the most recent call that I received was from a constituent when the um, streets were icy and slippery. That when she came into my into the meeting with me, she was very she was she was shaking because someone had slipped moving from the medium to the street and vice versa. So I am definitely going to support this because I believe it is a public safety issue. And the amendments that I'm going to add to the first one is um, a first citation may not be issued unless the individual person has been issued a warning citation and provided approved education literature. My second amendment is the uh, Madison to Police Department is to provide a report of the number of citations issued to the council three months after adoption with referral of the report to the Public Safety Review Committee and the Homeless Issues Committee. Okay. Uh, do you have a response? Yeah. Oh, okay. Excuse me. I, thought, I apologize for your sidebar conversation here. I thought maybe Attorney May had a research um, completed for us. 
generally our procedure is, is that amendments are in order unless you offer at the outset, a motion at the outset of your um, speaking. And so... Uh, so did I the, say that I the, was offering amendment? Right, but you had, there was quite a bit of preamble there. So I would just want to say, uh, uh, if, without objection, if seeing there's no objection, we would... Should I restate it? Well, let me, let, me, let me say that we have older persons clear wood and escritch in the queue Assuming that they don't object, I would recognize you again and allow you to restate, make your motion at the outset, older person. McKinney, is there any objection to older person McKinney offering her amendment at this point? So I don't, I'm now recognizing you as from the chair here. Pardon? Someone? Right. So I'm now recognizing you again to, to, to oh, there is an objection. Okay. Objection is heard. Yeah. We'll have to come back to you, Alderperson McKinney. That's that's the way we proceeded here at the council as the motions are made at the outset of rec being recognized. So going in the order of the queue, unless there's objection, would be the order that they appear, Alderperson's Clearwood and Eskridge. So back to Alderperson Clear then. Uh, I'll actually defer to Alderwood. Okay, so then Alderperson Wood. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Would a motion for referral be in order? Yes, that's in order at any time. I'd, I'd like to move referral to the February 7th Common Council meeting. Second. Motion and second to refer to the February 7th meeting of the Common Council. Would you like to speak to your motion? Yeah, sure. Uh, simply put, I think that there's just a whole hell of a lot that we still need to work on before we really vote on. I think the fact we've still got amendments coming. Um, this is really ugly sausage making. I think there's a lot more that needs to happen before this thing's ready to actually be voted on. Thank you. Further discussion on the motion to refer, re refer to the February 7th council meeting? Alderperson Romo. Thank you. I would urge the makers of the motion to work with the city attorney to work out some of these questions and maybe refine this. And for example, one thing I would be interested in is um, lowering the number of streets, make it just highways, literal highways. And let's start with that, because that's where most of the money is being made, that's where most of the people are, and maybe you all think some of these streets are highways, but even some of the arterials I don't think are used in that way, and I think it's just overly broad. So I would ask you all to look at that. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any further discussion on the motion to refer the matter to the council meeting of February 7th. Seeing none, Mayor, you don't wish to speak to this either then? Did, did you wish to come to the podium or no? You do not. Alderperson Bidar. So, again, I, because I, I don't like to just send it for referral, I, I want to kind of say that despite my huge reservations, I actually will surprise the mayor, I'm sure, with saying that with the, with the discussion that we've had and if the changes are made by this body and we have a fourth substitute before us um, that is really narrow, that's really clear in its intent, um, I will um, support it. But I need answers to so the highway versus arterial, um, Alder Eskridge um, has some language that she'll send to whoever is drafting the fourth substitute that I'm supporting with the reporting requirement, education requirement, 
Um, and um, if we can address the issue that was brought up by Alder Campbell as far as this terrorist issue, um, that would certainly give me um, um, also a, a make me feel better about the support. Um, and I would hope that between now and then we can also hear from others um, if there is still some um, issues and reservations about the, the language um, of a fourth substitute. And I would ask that the fourth substitute be out really as soon as possible and not just the Friday before the council on February 7th. Alderperson Fair was next. Uh, I believe, Mayor, you obviously wish to speak now. Is it? Okay. Alderperson Fair. Thank you. I'll just be real quick. I just want to um, thank Alder Wood for moving this forward. I think that's a good idea. And I did want to also say, as Alder Bedar said, that um, I was leaning towards supporting, and I'm glad we're going to send it back to make it um, uh, refine it, I guess. The one thing I'd add in addition is um, – and, and this is a theme, I think, an unfortunate theme, but maybe it'd be a good idea to include stakeholders uh, on, on homelessness, homelessness issues in the city to have them at the table. I think that's probably one of the problems with this from the very beginning. Um, probably could have had this, um, you know, refined before that and without such consternation had we been working together. Thanks. Thank you, Mayor Soglin. I, I want to point out this is not a homeless issue. It is manufactured as a homeless issue. Because some of the folks who are out there have signs saying they're homeless does not mean that they're homeless. Because some of them have signs out there saying that they're veterans does not mean they're veterans. This is not a homeless issue. I will not work on any amendments to this ordinance that focus on a separate, distinct purpose of targeting or not targeting folks who are homeless. You're going to say it's a homeless issue. What I'd say more accurately is maybe it's an issue involving substance abuse. Now, want to address some of the issues that are coming up in terms of this referral and what I can see doing. In terms of the issue that you raised, Alderman Kemble, most areas are either, where there is a terrace, are either legal for parking or they are not. And if they're not legal for parking, they are probably not legal for stopping and standing. Now, we don't have the entire city posted that way, but that's the way it is. So I believe that we can work with that section, making it clear that adjacent to a terrace where it's legal to park, this will not be an issue. That's the first thing. Second point is to Alder Woman McKinney. I don't think there's any problem writing into the ordinance that a first offense gets a warning citation, not a citation. I would not want to make it more complicated than that because there's so many issues that could arise in terms of what was said or what was done in, 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 in regards 
to enforcement. On the question of a report, um, I'm not sure we want to put that in an ordinance, but we can certainly prepare a companion resolution with the necessary language on giving data about, I would imagine, the things most people want to know, which would be prior in that two-week period, how many contacts were made, what intersections were they made at. After that, how many subsequent warnings were given, and finally, how many citations issued, and at what locations. I don't think that's a problem. Um, as I just indicated, I can't remember my schedule, um, and I may not be here for the February 7th meeting. And I got I don't have my, my city phone or computer with me, so I can't answer that question. Thank you. Is there any further discussion on the motion by Alderperson Wood to refer the ordinance amendment to the February 7th council meeting? Seeing none, those in favor of the motion to refer will say aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. It leaves us with one legislative matter this evening, and that is agenda item number 79, a resolution authorizing the mayor, city clerk, and chief of police to sign a contract with Dane County and the University of Wisconsin, extending for 10 years the agreement which authorizes the Dane County Narcotics Task Force. Alderperson Rommel, uh, for a motion, please. Um, move adoption. Is there a second? Moved and seconded to adopt the resolution. We do have a registrant wishing to be heard on this matter. That's former alderperson Brenda Conkel of North Hancock Street opposing the resolution and wishing to speak. And this isn't something that comes before you very often. It only comes here every five years. And right now it is, I think, for the first time going to be a 10-year contract instead of a five-year contract. And it just seems really unusual to me that we're in the middle of having a study for $400,000, and we have two or three different committees that are looking at policing issues, and here we are increasing the amount of time of this contract, and it seems like this contract should, or this memorandum of understanding, sorry, should be on the table with everything else that is being discussed in the realm of policing issues. There were some significant changes made to the um, memorandum of understanding. It's not crossed out and underlined, so you won't see them, but it does finally... I've been complaining about this since, like, 2001. <laughs> it finally doesn't target the users. It targets the people who are selling. But it still seems to target the um, smaller users, the smaller sellers, and not – it's weird the way it's written. I take a look at the purpose of it. But um, to me, it seems weird that if, if you're going to go from a five-year contract to a ten-year contract, you should at least get a strikeout underlying version of this to see what the changes are and to see um, what – you're entering into this agreement with under this memorandum of understanding. And again, with that study coming up and with the committees that are working on these issues, it doesn't seem like a good time to go to a 10-year uh, memorandum of understanding. So, thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions of Ms. Conkle? Seeing none, thank you very much. A discussion on the motion to adopt the resolution. Alderperson McKinney. Thank you very much. Um, this question came before the Public Safety Review Committee, and we discussed this in some length. We had a question about a 
the 10-year um, memorandum of understanding. And what was told to us or reported to us by the police is that it is an open-ended contract where either parties, either of the three parties, can um, uh, rescind. So um, when that came before us, we had a, a better understanding of not being locked in for a 10-year period. It was a mutual understanding that if all parties felt that this was a uh, memorandum of understanding that they could move forward with, they would, at, but at any time they could express an out. And so that's why we went ahead and supported it. Thank you. Alderperson Rommel. Thank you. I, I guess um, at the point that um, Ms. Conkle made about the focus on the street-level dealers is something that caught my attention as well. And I'm wondering, Chief Kowal, if if you could help me understand how how that might have changed from what was in there in the past, and then how does this entity, you know, what are, how does it prioritize the drug war? Because you know we hear so much about the drug war causing being like the reason there's so many people of color in prison, and how are we challenging that assumption with the work that this task force does? Chief Koval? Yes, and I'm lucky to have a former commander of the task force with me, Brian Ackred, who's a captain, and he's going to give you some context for that. Captain Ackred? So, um, yeah, I've had the uh, fortunate experience of over 10 years of my 30-year career in the Dane County Narcotics Task Force, and the primary language change that was pointed out to the PSRC was actually uh, pointing out by City Attorney um, Marcy Paulson was that there was contract, the, the language change that referred to users has been removed at some point. This, this agreement's been in place since 1972, um, a really collaborative effort between the city, the county, and the university dealing with bigger distribution networks of narcotics throughout the Dane County area and beyond. Um, so, in terms of street level interdiction, that does not—that's not the focus of this group. Um, primarily, undercover operations and going after large-scale networks of of drug distribution. But the language is left in on purpose, or just it just wasn't really thought through, or what would you say? I I think the language is in there because it's more easily definable what what level you're talking about but I I don't uh, I can attest that the types of cases that the narcotics unit is working on are distribution size and that they're not certainly not targeting or going after users not going after street level small amount dealers however there there are cases that deal with particularly heroin distribution and cases that result in in overdose deaths, those those cases are are worked by this unit in terms of the the opiate issues, overdose deaths, those types of things. The other thing that this uh, Lieutenant Friedman was at the PSRC and gave a really um, more extensive presentation. I've been out of the unit for about four years now, but really focusing on 
service providers and some interdiction options for those who are addicted in terms of um, not only contacted by the narcotics unit, but contacted by officers and detectives on other types of criminal behavior that is driven by addiction and working with trying to get um, the ability to offer immediate referral for treatment. Um, that's one of the things that this unit is, is working in conjunction with other um, treatment providers. That sounds really good. I have one more question. On page 7 under duties, one thing that, you know, now we're always talking about reporting and accountability. How does this um, entity report to the council or any other of the elected um, bodies that are represented by the various, you know, the city, county, UW, towns, and village chiefs? There's an annual report that was that is put out. I don't. I looked at our website after the last meeting. I, see, I didn't see it linked since 2012 or 2013. But I know there is an annual report of the work of the unit and the the types of cases and the, the stats and the data that comes out annually. Um, there's also a steering committee that uh, oversees this um, body that meets monthly. So going forward, assuming this is adopted, can, Chief, can we make a, an effort to have that more, um, you know, more transparent when this report comes out, maybe introducing it at least as a report to the council to accept so that at least we are kind of aware of the work and keep our eye on it? Certainly. Thank you. Thank you. Any further questions or discussion? Seeing none, then we'll uh, proceed to a vote to adopt the resolution. Those in favor will say aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. The resolution is adopted. Are there any announcements this evening? I believe there are no items to be introduced from the floor. My only announcement would be to wish Alder Person Bidar a happy birthday on Saturday. And uh, with that, and uh, with Alder Person King's absence, would someone else wish to make a motion to adjourn? <laughs> Been moved and seconded to adjourn. Those in favor of adjournment will say aye. aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. We stand adjourned. Thank you all. Have a good evening. <laughs>